Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host and producer of Your Story Matters radio show. Today on Inspiring Healing, we have a very special guest, Susan Price. She is the mother of Aaron Kenefick. She will be sharing about his life, his story, and how things evolved leading up to his death while he was fighting for our safety here in the U.S. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I am very sorry for your loss, but I know that in part what you're trying to do with that loss is to encourage and inspire other people, not only for healing, but to make sure that the answers are found regarding the circumstances of your son's death. Yes, correct. Before we talk about that part of the story, I would love for you to share with our listeners a bit about Aaron so they can get a clearer picture of who he was as a man, maybe even as a child, and some of the things that bonded you together as mother and son. Well, I know that if Aaron was here, he wouldn't want us talking about him because he was so humble. Mm -hmm. But he was just a very caring, compassionate, passionate boy, young man, always reaching out to help others from a paper boy into a sports youth um, into a grown man, always just being an ordinary person making extraordinary differences in the world around him. My father was a Marine, and I served a term in the Army, so I think that that propelled my son into looking before high school was over and his end of his junior year, he had enlisted in the delayed entry program Mm -hmm. into the Marine Corps. And he did his homework, but, you know, he uh, was bent on becoming a Marine, and he did so well that he became a special ops recon marine. And he did so well uh, scholastically as well as physically mm-hmm. that he uh, was awarded Marine of the Year twice in wow. his 12-year yeah, career. Mm-hmm. Also served as a attendee. It's kind of like a, a bodyguard, Marine bodyguard for former President Bush at the Republican National Convention in Sarasota mm-hmm. uh, years back. And also was aide to two top reigning generals at Central Command that were in charge of the uh, Iraq and Afghan war. So Aaron was a very high-profile Marine. He had a very high security clearance, mm-hmm. worked with the highest of echelons. And uh, But his mission was always to uh, make sure that none of his men fell between the cracks, hence the reason that he did not go on to officer candidate school. He had a degree. He also was signed on by a couple generals. He had a higher clearance than officers have. He wanted to utilize that for training and mentoring. Right. And uh, one of the men he mentored was Dakota Meyer, the man that became the Medal of Honor recipient. Sounds like he had a wonderful career, and, and you definitely should be very proud of him. Can you tell the listeners some of the things that maybe he learned or went through during his childhood that created these characters within him of being such a strong leader, of being so persistent and willing to continue to learn and grow? Because that sounds like someone who's quite extraordinary. And I always like to share on Your Story Matters where we get some of those things that carry us through what we do in life or what makes us successful. Well, you know, um, 
the strongest people usually have the hardest paths in life, the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, we, uh, I raised my children and my families from the uh, western New York area, Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. and the weather there is very severe in the wintertime. And, um, you know, Buffalo is a very sports-oriented, uh, very educational area, lots of schools and colleges. So, very family-oriented, very. Uh, we'd have so many blizzards in a year, and people would get out to all help one another in the mm-hmm. community and the neighborhoods. And I guess he learned about camaraderie through, well, our sense of family, right. because uh, we're very close. And we would sit and have dinners together every night at the dinner table. And that sacred hour mm-hmm. of just communing with family very important without television and distractions. And uh, then my children were always involved with sports, Mm -hmm. you know, every day of the week. And then we went to church. We believed in God. So I guess family, uh, community, sports, um, helping others. Mm -hmm. I I used to work in nursing, and I worked on a hospice rehab unit. And a couple times a year, I was allowed to bring one or two of my children in to help pass the water out or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted my children to see that life is not just all about you. It's about everybody around you. And through through our sense of family and, uh, you know, my son's dad and sisters and uncles and cousins, all those folks, added their special ingredients. Look at we don't know who our children are going to grow up to becoming. That's right. You know? And it's through the sense of family and belief and live your life with some sort of a purpose. And so I guess Aaron, he was exercising his humanitarian rights. He was a true humanitarian. I, he grew to be very strong in his beliefs. And when he was living here in Tampa area for three years, He'd be coming and going on missions with the generals. and But he would go over to the VA hospital and donate some of his time mm-hmm. to the men and women coming back that lost limbs. And he would tell me, Mom, those are the heroes. Right. Those are the people that people forget about them mm-hmm. because they don't, they don't earn a title of an American hero. They don't die. And they're not healthy enough to carry on ordinary life like they did once before. So, I don't know. Aaron is an accumulation. He was an accumulation of everyone that ever was in his life Mm -hmm. and everything he loved and cared about. He just always tried to be the best he could be and help others. If he Mm -hmm. would critique himself and fell short, he would try to make it up by mentoring someone and advising them and looking after them. He was always a big brother to everybody. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. It sounds like you definitely did a good job in raising him, and as you said, the experiences and the people around him added so much more to his life and to his character, and I appreciate you sharing all that. What were your thoughts when he initially enlisted? Were you ever initially concerned about his safety or his well-being or or even questioning whether something so devastating would happen for him not to come home? Well, you know, he was pondering this in 1996. So there was no war at the time, but yes, it did cross my mind, you know. But being from a family of service, my family served in, in every war that there was. And so I couldn't change my son, and he was a gifted athlete, and 
you know, he did so well in all his scholastics and physical training that out of the 12 years as a Marine, eight years of those, he also served doing PT mentoring to people Mm -hmm. that had to meet their requirements. But my son asked me to sit with him when he signed up for the Marine Corps, and there was maybe four, a couple sergeants and a corporal and some others that were sitting around the table. And he said, no, I want my mother to go over the MOS, Mm -hmm. the um, job availability, because she knows because her father and her were both in the service. And so they said, well, this is the first time we ever had a parent to advise. Mm -hmm. And and they just kind of looked. But my son and I were very close, Mm -hmm. and um, as he was with everyone in my family, but we had a special mother-son bond. And I guess I sort of mentored him and filled in some of the blanks. You know, he just was so proud that I sat there. You know, children, they're only your children for so long, and then they become adults and they have their own minds. You have to respect their opinions. And so some things I agreed with my son, most things I agreed with him, and there's a couple things along the way I didn't, but I had to let him fall when he did to learn. Yes, absolutely. I want to share first before you talk to us about the actual circumstances of the day that he died. What was it like for you when you found out when you were given the news? Can you talk to the listeners about that? And the reason for that is because as you know, there's so much suffering. There's so many people that lose loved ones. And oftentimes when you're in that place, at least initially, You feel very alone. You feel like someone doesn't understand. Nobody could have possibly been where you're at. But I would like for you to share how that evolved for you and your initial reaction and emotions. Well, Angela, to be honest with you, I'm I'm getting choked up now. I'm still dealing with the grief. Um, You never get over it. Uh, That day that I was told, you know, I'm a marketing director and I was putting events together and attending an after dinner or an after work event. And I pulled up and I saw two Marines standing there. Well, my son served our country for over 12 years mm. and he had intended to make a 20, 30 year career out of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, earlier years when he was doing a lot of his recon uh, missions in places where the sun doesn't shine and I had no knowledge of where he was, what he was doing. You may as well say I served then, too, because he tried to prepare me all those years. Mom, if you ever see two Marines. So I knew I was the only person out of my whole group of networkers that mm-hmm. uh, had a son over there, and I had that empty feeling in my gut, and mm-hmm. you lose a part of yourself. That was my son, my only son. I had two daughters. He was my first child. A part of me died that day. It's mm-hmm. the deepest, deepest grief you could ever imagine. So, you know, there's some days I wake up and it just doesn't feel real. It feels like, well, he's on a mission and I'll see him when he's finished with his mission. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And so every day, but what I do to get over the horrifying feeling, I, I can't let it bog me down because I do reality. I have two other children and I have life, but I uh, exercise productive healing by helping others, and, you know, I I don't victimize myself that way because I respect that others before us and others after us Mm -hmm. have lost, 
You know, there's many gold star families. It doesn't matter how they pass mm-hmm. or even to lose a child in an accident, a car accident. You have to go on. And uh, I had to pull out of myself the essence of uh, what I taught my son and uh, his lessons, and I had to apply those to my life. Right. Can you explain to the listeners, for those who may not know, what is a Gold Star family? Yes, a Gold Star family is the mother, father, sister, brother, grandmother, anyone in the family that's lost a loved one to war. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, at first I was a blue star mother, and then when my son passed, I became the blue turn to gold. A gold star parent, family member, they've earned the highest rank of the highest ranking officer mm-hmm. because of the love their loved one mm-hmm. and their service and sacrifice mm-hmm. to thank, our country. Thank you for explaining that, so that way all the listeners will understand more clearly. And that is quite an honor. It, despite how it comes about, because as you said, it's such a huge loss, one that as a parent myself, I couldn't imagine, nor would I want to imagine, but I can relate to the idea of having lost a child. So when you were told about Aaron's death, how long after that was it that you began to question the situation and what had happened that day? Well, I had just spoken with my son 18 hours earlier. He called Myself, my daughters, my ex-husband tell us he loved us and that he had been wounded by some shrapnel but got back out there and to thank us for our prayers. And Mm -hmm. he was calling to check on us and to thank us. And here he was on the front line in battle. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so when I saw those two Marines and I just shook my head and I said, no, it's not true. And they said, we're sorry he was killed. Aaron was killed at the Ganjgal Valley, the ambush of Ganjgal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was September 8th, 2009. And I found out the facts. Well, this was September. I had um, his brigadier general from Okinawa, Japan, flew out to myself and my family and told us that it was a series of things that went wrong that day. Mm-hmm. compounded. There had to be at least 15, 20 different things. And I questioned that because I thought, we're the most sophisticated military in the world and country. Mm-hmm. And how could all these, how can all these things go wrong? And then a couple of weeks later, maybe a week after my son's birthday in February, I received the 15-6 investigative summary. Mm-hmm. And there were two that were requested where they interviewed eyewitnesses um, and gathered all the facts. It's over 500 pages long. Mm. And I started reading it along. Every night I'd be talking with the other families over the phone and other people I know, former military, that had done special operations and missions of this kind, Vietnam, and et cetera. And um, then that's when I saw the facts. They're facts. It's not speculation. These are known facts that are documented within the investigative report itself. Mm -hmm. And um, the grief, I internalized the grief so bad I ended up in the hospital for Mm -hmm. a week. What was it within the facts that created such deep grief for you? Because those are the things that the audience may not understand. I had read prior to our interview 
about the case. Yeah. What was it specifically, if you could mention a few items that really got to you? Sure. Well, there were five Americans that were killed, but four that day, one died a, a month later through injuries. What got to me was when I read the part that an eyewitness, and there were a few others that stated my son's name and said that Sergeant Kenefick had been calling in for grids, and they heard his calls for help along with the other three men for two hours, and they were being ridiculed and laughed at. And there were comments that, uh, like, is this for the Marines or the Army? Uh, who's this air support and artillery support supposed to be for? And who's on your ETT roster, embedded training team? Because my son was an embedded training team. Mm-hmm. He was a trainer for the Afghan Army and a mentor. And he was always in the lead. He would talk with the leaders of other tribes to gather their intel and get their information and gain their confidence. And here's my son, a special forces, special ops Marine, who's always had Marine pilots, never had the answer to, not, and I'm not picking on the Army because I respect them. I was Army at one point. But a few bad apples within the command that were in and out of their command, questioning the ground commanders, mm-hmm. questioning this atrocity. There was 100 to 150 Taliban that were shooting and firing at my son and the others. They could have gotten our men out of there the first hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this went on six to nine hours. Mm. And uh, that's when Dakota Meyer, the Medal of Honor, had heard this from the background and enough was enough he was going in. So the grief set in when I saw that my child, my son, mm-hmm. and I, I asked the listeners, so how would you feel mm-hmm. if you had a son that was exceptional in everything he did for our country that ensured that nobody else would ever become a victim and gave everything he had and more. And then he slipped through the cracks because three to to seven or ten officers were not doing their job. And then you find out that this was through dereliction of duties, abandonment, and negligence that you lost your son. My son did not have to die, and he probably most likely would have lived. Mm. They're 90% sure they would have gotten them out of there. But the other thing that hurt was knowing that a chopper was five minutes away to rescue them from calls that my son and the others made directly to this pilot, he was five minutes away and was ordered by the 10th Division, uh, Mountain Division, to turn the chopper around and not rescue them because the call did not come directly from headquarters. That is an atrocity of this tragedy in and of itself. To know my son could be here today. And to mention that one of those officers was promoted from a major to a lieutenant colonel. The other two received a simple reprimand, a piece of paper. How can you equate a piece of paper to human life? I can imagine how devastating it must have been to read the facts and the anger that must have set in and the deepening of the pain, if you will. What was it when you were able to grasp the situation, and I know you said you were hospitalized for a short time, what was it that you decided to do first 
to try to bring justice for your son? Well, Angela, you know, I can't bring Aaron back. And when I looked at this whole situation, you know, there's no one to protect the civil and human rights of our American soldiers, sons and daughters, husbands and wives over there. And so what I did is I, I got with the other parents. Some of them weren't strong enough for this, so myself and a couple others took on the lead, and we approached certain Congress people and have been asked to go on different radio and talk shows, and I was on 60 Minutes, just getting the word out. And um, through the light of Dakota Meyer, who my son mentored, the Medal of Honor casted a lot of the light of that day, the dark things that took place. It opens up the world's eyes mm-hmm. to see, hey, there's a real story here. There's something else that went on. Mm -hmm. And so it's through that. But I have been advocating and um, protecting those that protect us. So in search of that, just getting the word out, talking to everybody that I could and hear the story. And And so at this point, I know that Congresswoman Kathy Hochul has asked that a investigation be conducted. Is that in the process of happening? Yeah, there's others that are in the process that are forthcoming. Actually, last year I met with Congressman Walter Jones of North Carolina, along with a couple other parents, and he started it, but then was shot down by the Armed Services Committee. So now we're going a different route. And Kathy's very determined, and she's working with us, and the other families are contacting they're Congress people, and uh, it's our goal. Look, at my son did not just die to war alone. If it were the face of war, of course, being a parent, you never get over it. But I would have accepted it and had some measure of peace. Right. But knowing that this injustice has happened to my child and it's gone on with others, this is the United States of America. We are more sophisticated than that. Our most precious gift in the world is our children. It's our legacy. That's right. Freedom is not free. It took me a lifetime to grow my child into the man he became. And I don't take all the credit for it. I'm only uh, a pebble of sand on the beach to what I contributed to his life. But if we don't step up to the plate and change these rules of engagement and get those out of power that don't belong there, that are abusive and they're letting our men and women die, we're not going to have the America we have today. Trust me, Mm -hmm. we won't. How has working towards getting justice for Aaron and the others helped you in your healing process? I understand what you're saying, and I totally get that you're still grieving, you're still mourning, obviously, and I believe that perhaps we mourn always, even though the grieving process eventually ends. How has this helped you? to move on in life and to do some of your healing? Well, you know, I get to talk with a lot of the other families, and life isn't just about me and my family. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. all connected. And so um, it takes my mind off of things. I've always been a very strong woman. I'm pro-military, you know, uh, always will be. Um, But it helps me to sort through these things that are really going on within 
our our world of the military. Mm-hmm. It has me to help heal others, and mm-hmm. then in a small way, because I've always worked in the healing profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of taking a detour from uh, learning what I can. There's some new ventures coming up that I will be able to work with to help heal those with PTSD through some of the associations I've formed with professionals. I really have to commend you. I know you and I met at one point in Tampa when I was speaking at an event. You're not bitter and angry as far as I can tell. And you've taken your pain, which is huge, which is deep, and you've done something positive and productive with it. And I think that that in itself is truly something to be proud of because I know that sometimes when we have such a huge loss and such an unfair loss, we tend to become angry and bitter and then we don't really resolve anything. No, I'm not angry and bitter at all. I am so proud of my son and the other fallen heroes and I'm proud of America. We have a wonderful military, very strong. You know, I just want to be an example of a person that steps up to the plate like my son was Mm -hmm. and to um, seek the justice. Everything that my son lived and died for, I'm entitled to those rights. Mm -hmm. And so is my son. He's not here anymore. I'm his voice. That's right. And, um, you know, he can't speak for his injustice, but he was the first one to step up to the plate for others. And so just there's no disrespect at all, you know, I prefer the military way of living myself because I'm conditioned to that. That was my my lineage. Mm-hmm. I just want to protect our men and women that are serving. That's right. Yeah. And certainly protect their honor. And I would love for you yeah. to share, what do you think, and I know this is, you know, just your own thoughts and opinions, what would Aaron think of all that you're doing and how you're handling this situation? Well, I think that my son would uh, be very proud that I'm doing something very productive. I'm mm-hmm. not sitting around just crying. As he would tell me, Mom, the world doesn't just revolve around me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just know that my son would be very proud and honored that I am his mother, as I am proud and honored that the Lord gave him to me to mm-hmm. be my son. I have and, to know, agree. I'm sure he's be very proud of all that you're doing and proud to know that someone is fighting for his honor. Well, he deserves that much, and so do the others. They were all they were all like Dakota Meyer, you know. Dakota, those were part of his family, his brothers in arms. Aaron and Dakota were the very best of friends. Aaron was... I know that there's probably a list of things that you could say about Aaron that you miss the most, but if you could... Is there something specific that you could share that you'll miss about having your son here and watching him become an older man and and his future? Well, he had the most beautiful smile and sparkling blue eyes and Mm. his laugh. He was just the funniest person in the world. And we just miss him uh, and his practical jokes. Mm. And as funny as he was, he was also a very, very serious Marine. And and just his spirit, I would have to say, his overall spirit. But I know that he's with us in spirit. Mm. And um, just knowing that gets us through the day. We can't change what happened. That's but we right. can change tomorrow. And 
and just um, being respectful and carrying on his legacy as he would have done in some other form. Jared would really love that, and that would honor him. And so it's with honor and respect and love for our military sons and daughters that I tell my story. It's nothing out of malice or victimization, nothing like that. That's beautiful. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate you taking the time today to share your story, a part of it anyway, on your Story Matters radio show. And I hope that others who have experienced loss or are going through turmoil find some encouragement and some inspiration in your words. And I thank you for all you're doing on behalf of our military, which is, as you said, so important and necessary for us all to come together and support those people who are giving their lives, who are fighting, who are sacrificing every day for us. Well, and that's it, Angela. My son would have given his life any moment in time, but that day his life was taken from him by the dereliction of duties, negligence, and abandonment. And if we don't have justice for the people that serve for us, we're not as sophisticated and powerful as we thought we were now, are we? What kind of an example is that for the rest of the world? Very true. Very true. I hope that resolution comes and comes soon and that even though, as you said, it can't bring anyone back, that systems will be put in place and justice will be served and those who need to take responsibility for their improper actions will be held accountable. Yes. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you.